Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, as I ask the children, I'll ask the adults. What are the sort of things that you've asked for from your earthly father? Maybe it was a toy, maybe it was money, maybe it was, well, maybe not a new phone. They haven't been around that long. But there's always something, right? The new thing, the new clothing item, the new toy. I remember a, uh, I'm sure, I think they still go through the yo-yo phase at some point, right? I needed a yo-yo, and it had to be like a three-star Black Mamba yo-yo, the one that was like 80 bucks. And my dad said, no. (laughs) If I was going to have that, I had to save up my meager allowance over a course of time that by probably by the time I would raise enough money, Nobody would be interested in yo-yos anymore, including myself. So I'm sure you all have had a similar experience when you ask your parents for something, because usually we want something more than what we need. But your father did desire good things for you, and maybe if he didn't get you the $80 yo-yo, he got you a cheaper one, or he helped you by giving you an opportunity to make maybe a little more money to buy the thing that you wanted. Or maybe if it wasn't that big of a request, and it was for your good, he did answer your request exactly the way you gave it to him. Well, in our gospel reading today, we're learning about how to make those sorts of requests from our Heavenly Father. We each have a Heavenly Father. And that's a bit of the unique aspect of our gospel reading today, where We are first, as followers of Jesus, for the very first time, given the ability to address God as our Father. Well, Luke emphasizes a few things here that we can learn from. He highlights that he's still highlighting Jesus' table fellowship, and we'll look at that in a moment because you might be wondering where that connection is. He highlights the combination of God's physical and spiritual provision in our lives, and that the Father, not us, is the core of Christian prayer. So through Jesus, we are sons of God, and that changes everything, not the least of which is prayer. Now, I'm going to be referring to us all collectively as sons, and I don't mean that just for the men in the room, that's all of us. And it's sons in particular because sons were the inheritors of the things of their father. And so we are all sons of God in that inheritance sense. So the first is table fellowship. And you might be wondering what the gospel reading has to do with table fellowship. It does mention bread, but that's about it. So what's the connection? Well, let's zoom out a little bit in the gospel of Luke and get some context for where Jesus is teaching this to His disciples. At the end of the previous chapter, just the few verses before this, we have the famous encounter that everyone's heard of between Jesus and Mary and Martha. Jesus comes to the house of Mary and Martha upon her invitation, and then He's received in two very different ways, right? Um, And they're both hospitable receptions, But there's one that Jesus clearly prefers. But it's not just there. In the Scriptures in particular, 
um, our relationship with God is often understood in the context of a table and a meal. In Exodus 12, you have the Passover meal, which is the great deliverance act of the Old Testament, foreshadowing, of course, the Last Supper, which we find in Luke 22. And in Exodus 24, there's one instance, it's, it's really kind of amazing, and you can almost miss it. In Exodus 24, Moses and Aaron and the 70 elders of Israel, right after sacrifices are given and the blood of the sacrifice was thrown onto the people, they go up the mountain and have a meal in the direct presence of God. That's just to name a few of the major ones. There are many more examples in Scripture of our relationship encompassed in the idea of table fellowship. So Mary and Martha provides that specific context for us here. So Jesus arrives, and He's received hospitably by both women, but one is correct in the eyes of Jesus. So Mary receives Jesus by being quiet, sitting at His feet, and attentively listening to the words and the teachings He has come to bring. And Martha, who made the original invitation to come to the house, her host, she is receiving Him in hospitality by the anxious toil of a host. But it turns out she's mistaken about who the host of this encounter is. See, Jesus Himself expresses when she, in her exasperation and frustration, says, Jesus, I'm doing all the work and my sister's doing nothing. Won't you tell her to help me? And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken from her. So Jesus is clearly expressing to us the way He wishes to be received with attentive listening and the reception of the words He has come to bring because it is, in fact, not as Martha thinks. She is not the host of Jesus. Jesus is her host. He has come into their midst to bring something important, not to be served, but to serve. Now, this account is actually, in in Luke, is about how we are to properly worship God. Worship is primarily not an activity that we participate in, but something that we receive from God. He's the one doing the work. And this lesson applies in the very next chapter as he teaches us the right way to worship and then the right way to pray. What's the proper posture in these activities? So the proper posture of prayer is the next subject he he tackles with his disciples. We, like little children asking their earthly fathers, can be tempted to think that prayers are about us and what we want. But Jesus teaches us here that the focus of prayer is on the heavenly Father, the gracious host who is providing all good things for us. That's why the prayer begins not with our requests, but with the honoring of His name and the desiring of His kingdom to come because He is the one. He is the host. And again, our posture, like in worship, in prayer is one of humble receptance of what Jesus has come into our midst to bring. And that leads us into the next section of the Lord's Prayer that is given here, that we are to rely on God for our immediate earthly provision and our eternal and heavenly provision. 
So the first part establishes the core of the prayer, who it's about, and that we are expressing the desire that He is who he, that His name is kept holy, that His kingdom comes. And then we move into our petition, our request, as He has invited us so graciously to do. And so we ask, give us this day our daily bread. Bread would have been understood as the staple of our physical needs, right? That's what Jesus, that's what God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness, the manna from heaven, right? Um, and so, obviously, that represents our earthly needs for food and, and many other things, as we'll get to. But it's also a foreshadowing of the provision of the bread of life in Jesus for our spiritual nourishment. And so, when we say that line in the Lord's Prayer, we're asking not just for the daily needs of this earthly life, but our daily needs, spiritually speaking, as well. Then we get to the forgiveness of sins. And at first glance, I mean, that's a spiritual staple of the Christian life, the forgiveness of our sins. And at first glance, it seems like it has nothing to do with the immediate physical needs of the Christian. And you'd be right about the immediate part, but wrong about the physical part. The forgiveness of sins is the very reason that death is not the end. That being freed from the consequences of sin, death, we are given a new heavenly body because of the forgiveness given in Christ Jesus. And so, we offer up our prayer for forgiveness, the physical and the spiritual all in totality together. And Jesus highlights this emphasis on physical and spiritual with the midnight friend example, right? The hospitality expectations of the time would sort of hold this person captive. They've already turned all their lights off, they're ready for bed, and their friend shows up and says, I need some help. Somebody's come, and I can't provide a, re a good reception for them. And Jesus says, even if he won't do it because he's his friend, because of his impudence, he will, because that's the expectation in that situation. So the hearers of that would understand that Jesus is really putting this person between a rock and a hard place. But he goes even further because God isn't merely a friend to us. He isn't merely someone who has a social obligation to us. Now in this new part of prayer, he is our heavenly Father. And so he moves from the example of the social obligation of hospitality of the friend to that of the earthly Father. And he gives the examples. Who of you, if your child comes and asks you for a fish, will instead give them a serpent? Or an egg, give them a scorpion. In other words, if you who are evil, if you who are sinful, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is perfect and loving, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, why is Jesus going to this length to explain this? Well, He wants to address some worries that people have about prayer. The first one is that you're going to get something unkind in response if you pray to God. And in some ways, this is to free you up so that you really can cast your care on Him. Because if you're concerned with getting your own way, you can never fully let go of your anxieties 
and give them over to Jesus. You're never fully trusting that God really can take care of these things, that He has a better vision than you, that He has more knowledge and wisdom than you. So you can be free now to pray, Lord, whatever needs to be done here for me, please do it. For I know that what I think may be right may not be, but you always know what's good for me. The second worry that he's addressing, and actually it's more of an encouragement, is that to persist in prayer. He's encouraging you to persist in your prayer, and he does this elsewhere, this, this, the story of the, the parable of the persistent widow, um, he talks about this. But again here he emphasizes that just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean you should stop praying that the answer has been given be persistent in your prayer, and all of that is grounded in the knowledge and the faith and the belief that God is good and desires your good, and whatever He will give you is good. That's why He says, the, the grounded in the faith of God's good provision, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. And notice again the posture of the visitor and the host. Knock and the door will be open to you. Right? When we gathered here this morning, we didn't invite Jesus to join us in our midst. Jesus has invited us into His home, around His table, to give us His things. And so we come and sit at His feet and we receive them. And I would encourage you now as you look forward when you go to church that when the word is read, envision yourself sitting at the feet of Jesus, just like Mary, receiving the wisdom of God for your benefit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a gift. The God of the universe come into our midst to deliver these things. And when you gather around His table, the gracious host gives you all that you need. So, the focus and core of our posture of prayer, turns out, isn't us and what we want, but it's God, our Heavenly Father, and what He wants, and He wants your good. So what does that change for us? Well, in short, it changes everything. It changes the complete orientation of our faith. No longer are we bound to receive God as Martha, anxious, full of toil, worried about the appearance of things that God will find us worthy, but rather instead, we're not the host setting up a show for God when we gather here in the morning. Rather, He's the host, and He set the table at His house for us. What gracious and wonderful relief that is to hear. I know pastors are particularly prone to doing the Martha routine worrying about all the details and making sure everybody knows what that is. And people who've worked with me here, they probably can tell you that that happens sometimes. And when I was a pastor at my previous church, the senior pastor I worked with at one point in time, we had to skip a whole page of the liturgy. I was maybe a pastor for about five months. And there we had service, Bible study service. So you couldn't really go over very much because then it would eat into the next thing. And so we were going to end, the announcements took like 15 minutes. And we were going to end like 30 minutes late, and so we took a whole page of the liturgy out, which for a brand new pastor, I was very discombobulated. And then 
I was giving communion to him, or he gave me communion, and then when he was supposed to give me communion before we communed to everybody else, I was still picking up things and handing them to him so that he could then return them to me. And I, he could tell I was a little out of it, and he stopped me and he said, he said, Adam, was the word preached and the sacraments administered today? Yeah. Then it's a good day. Right? Don't sweat the small stuff, in other words. Don't be the Martha, be the Mary. So now when God comes to us in Jesus, that's what He wants from us. Relieve ourselves of the burdens and cares and sit and receive quietly the wondrous, life-changing, eternal salvation-giving gifts that He wishes to give us. That's why we say the Lord's Prayer and worship every Sunday, and it's been that way in the Christian church for some 1,700, 1,800 years. And it's been a part of the baptismal liturgies and the early prayers for the new Christian because it teaches you this posture of prayer so that you're not tempted when you come from another religious practice where you are supposed to make a show of it, pretend that you're worthy before God to earn His love, that now here you can lay those burdens aside. For we're not competing for God's affection. He's come to give it freely. He's the host after all. And it means that when we worship and when we pray, we aren't inviting God to be among us, but He has come into our midst to give us His gifts. So, dear friends in Christ, He has prepared His table for you this day. He's invited you into His home. Receive it. Receive His good and gracious provision, both now in this life and for life forevermore. He has answered your prayers. In the name of Jesus, amen.